Hello, this is Rob and Mike from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management, and this is Think Smart with TMFG. Mike, on today's podcast, I thought it might be helpful for you and I to talk about some of our concerns about government. And specifically, we're going to talk about the Canadian government and not just the, the federal government, but we're going to look at all the issues that, that are occurring with all levels of government. So you've done some research in this area. So one of the things I know that you've talked about is, you know, uh, what role each of them is responsible for. So, so start off with the federal government. What, what's their major role? So federal government, they control money supply. And uh, they, can, they can control interest rates, can raise interest rates, they can lower interest rates. We've seen during the past two years in the pandemic, the government continued to add money into the system. And they do that by lowering interest rates and have transfers go to the Bank of Canada, uh, from the Bank of Canada to the banks, and the banks can loan out money at cheaper rates. So it creates more money in the system. So that's called a monetary supply. And the federal government can uh, collect money through, you know, multiple ways. I guess the main one is being income tax. Uh, so when you pay your income tax, part's going to go to the federal government, and then there'll be a percentage that goes back to provincial government. So th- that's how it. Uh, that's how it controls their their cash flow, and they can make very broad rules. So when you look at the federal government, they can set. When you see Trudeau come out and give the budget, he's given them some broad ideas on what they're going to do going forward in the next year uh, as far as money, money's uh, transfers go. Uh, so they'll let you know. You know, recently we heard about the uh, systems for, I believe it was daycare. So they're going to have transfers go to federal governments and to municipality levels to go and get money to support a, uh, a system that allows people to uh, uh, have cheaper daycare. Cheaper daycare. So, so that's what they do. And uh, the big advantage they have over everyone else is they do have the ability to print money. So they have that control. Also from a federal level, governments can borrow money at very low costs. When you look at, uh, if you go look at a bond, uh, the lowest rate will come from the federal government. So if I look at a 10-year bond now, just as an example, let's say I go to the federal government, I'll probably only get like 2% from a federal government bond. If I go to a provincial bond, I'll probably get 2.5%. If I start moving to municipal bonds, it will start going up to a higher rate depending on the, you know, how good shape that municipality is in. So risk and return are always related. The federal government would be considered the safest, so it gives you a lower return, but higher risk. If you move to the provincial, you know, a little riskier, depending on the province, and and then so you would you would demand a higher return because it's a little riskier, a little more volatile. Yeah, do you remember when the Quebec referendum was going on? There was actually about an extra two percent you get in a Quebec bond, but no one wanted the Quebec bonds because they weren't sure where it was going. So <laughs> at, at that time, if you want to buy a Quebec bond, you get uh, a bunch more return. You had to be pretty gutsy to go out and buy Quebec bonds, even though they were paying two percent more because you thought maybe they're going to leave the country. Yep, and then maybe those bonds are worth nothing. So risk and returns always related. And also the federal government has the ability to control immigration. So that's the federal level. So if we look at that, they control the money supply, but a big part of what they do is this whole immigration thing. And, you know, I saw a recent study that we we just sent out that talked about U.S. immigration, which has dramatically fallen in the last five years. So it was trending up 
the population was was continuing to grow, and now they've really just dramatically cut back on immigration, and it's having a huge impact because they've got an employment issue. It's the lowest it's been in the history of the United States right now. So we think it's great that they've only got 4% unemployed, but there's actually like 10 million jobs that can't be filled right now. And remember, that's a country that's built on immigrants, right? And it, it's, go, it's going the wrong way. Canada, on the other hand, we've embraced immigration. I mean, Canada's done a, ph- a phenomenal job. I think we're at the highest point of immigration we've ever been at. And you can tell it's uh, it's working in Canada. We have a lot of really skilled people coming into the country, taking, I'm not going to say taking jobs, they're creating jobs. A lot of them are business people opening up their own businesses. So it's it's working very well in Canada. You wonder why Toronto's become one of the highest priced cities in the world. It's because of immigration. We had just driven back. We had taken our team south of the border for a few days and we were driving back into Toronto from, from Niagara. And we all observed just how vibrant Toronto seemed at night. Everything was alive, whereas we had been in Niagara and Buffalo and, and everything seemed a, a little depressed down there. And I, I talked earlier on a podcast about being in New York City even and everything seemed depressed. And yet Canada, just everything seemed to be moving. Yeah. And this is at, you know, this is on a, a, a Wednesday night at, at nine o'clock and the city was alive, cars on the road. And that's all because of a, a big role of that is immigration. Yep. People are working and people are working hard to succeed. So let's go back to government. So we've talked about the federal government. We've talked about their role in immigration, infrastructure. They're in charge of at least getting big infrastructure out there. What does the province do? What do the, each of the different provinces do? So pr- provincial governments are in charge of, think of when you go to your Ontario service, you're going to renew your your driver's license, all the th- all things like that. It, the funny thing, it seems weird to be that uh, provincial rather than federal is medical, right? Where we've always been OHIP, which is Ontario-based. So the medical system is supported by the federal government, but there's no standard rule across the country. That's why we're going through all these different uh, vaccine issues and different, you know, uh, Doug Ford's in charge of uh, our our medical situation. It's not Trudeau. So it, it's a very different situation. Um, Whereas I'd prefer to put the smartest people in the room, make the best decision you can with the information you have, and make that all across the country. Yeah, I remember when you had to travel to Halifax, there used to be a whole bunch of rules. It was like going into a different country to get to Halifax. Right? So And, and so that's, I think, one of the issues we face and, and I guess the fear would be, well, we don't want the federal government making all the decisions. So now we're making at the provincial level, but that's got its challenges as well. Yeah. And I guess there's reasons for it. I look, they're also in control of hunting and fishing. And I understand that from a provincial level because, you know, hunting may be very different in Ontario than it is out in Vancouver. So I can see why that would be more based on your geographic location. And, you know, they're, they're collecting government transfers. And they're also getting a piece of the income tax. When you do your tax return, you're going to have your federal tax. Then underneath, you're going to have that provincial tax. And depending on which province you're in, it can be quite a different uh, tax bill. It's surprising how much different uh, amounts of money people can pay in tax in different provinces. Absolutely. I I mean, the evidence is Ontario and Quebec are the highest tax provinces in in the country. Go out to Alberta the tax rate is, is dramatically lower. And it's not the federal rate that's lower, it's the provincial rate. You could, you could probably save 10% in taxes by being 
in the province of Alberta versus being in Ontario. I forget what it is, but there's really only three or four federal tax rates. And when you see all these different jumps in tax rates, those are all provincial uh, jumps that uh, you take in your tax returns. So let's go below the provincial. We now go into the municipal. What's their role? Their role, think of schools. You know, when you think of the York Board of Education, things like that, that's the municipal government. And they're collecting property tax. So they're on. They're not grabbing the income tax. They do have some transfers that get down to the municipality level, but they're collecting taxes from property tax, uh, and they're in charge of providing a certain degree of transportation. Again, some of it is is fed from the provincial governments, but they're in charge of a region. When you think of you know uh, Toronto Transit things like that, they're they're providing that. So they have budgets to work with for, from that level. But they have much more limitations than the federal government because, again, they don't have the ability to produce money. So they have to supply things, but they don't have the ability to produce the money to do it. So you see why it gets so confusing. You've got so many decision makers in the room. And some of these things, it's pretty clear cut who makes the decision. But others, is it a federal? Is it a provincial? Is it a municipal decision? Well, interesting thing, why I sort of brought up this subject was – I've been listening to a lot of uh, podcasts and shows and all the problems that have been coming up lately, if you want to come up with a, a blame in there, it's uh, transfers between governments, who's responsible and who has the money. You know, I was watching 60 Minutes last week and they were talking about all the ports in the US and the ports in the US, they tend to be more privately owned than anything else or municipal governments, you know, when you think of Port of Authority and all that. And they say the infrastructure is not anywhere where it needs to be. So we're having all these supply chain dis- disruptions. And they said, well, why is this going on? And you look at the, the ports and there's hundreds of boats sitting in the water, not able to bring anything in. They say, well, why, why isn't this better organized? If you look at other countries, generally the federal government goes and controls the ports. And they can pay a lot of money for infrastructure to create great systems to bring this in. When you started to privatize and move it to these smaller companies and municipalities, they can't afford that. Even in California, you ended up in rules where truckers don't want to go into California because they have the high emission standards that they won't let the trucks in California. So where all the stuff is coming in from overseas, the truckers don't want to go there because of the cost of uh, pulling trucks out of California. So there's a, a lack of communication that goes on. Another thing I was listening to a podcast on is about immigration in municipalities. The federal government has created a tremendous amount of immigration into Canada. And everyone's rushing to the main areas of being Vancouver and Toronto. But the municipalities don't have the ability to build houses quick enough to handle the immigration that's coming in. So again, there's a disconnect between what the federal government says, let's bring lots of people to Canada. And when they say, okay, I'm all going to move to Toronto, the municipalities can't produce houses quick enough to house them. And there's a lack of communication, a lack of transfer of funds to make all this stuff work. So if we follow that through and we say, okay, Canada's going to bring in... 500,000 people in the next year into the country. And I don't know what percent would need a house, 200,000. There's not the communication to the rest of the country that we need to be building at least 200,000 new houses to house these immigrants. Yep. So you start to see some of the issues that we have. Not everyone knows what the other person's doing. On the other hand, we don't want to go to the extreme of 
having one leader like China where they're making every single decision and that that's the extreme. And the other piece you have in here is you have private corporations. And the government does a lot of their work through contract and private organizations. And they work really well for this. You'll find garbage disposal, things like that will be sourced out to private organizations. And the the one of the reasons why they do it's more affordable because they don't have the pension obligations, everything of the of the government side of things. So they can do things at an affordable level. So that plays a piece in all this. But the big problem with big projects need to be supplied or, or created by the federal government. When you look at things, uh, if you go back to the U.S., if you look at the railways that went, in, and Canada too, that went across the countries, they were done by private organizations that created them, but they have to be federally funded. No one has that amount of money. Right. You, you know, we get into things in Canada, there hasn't been a nuclear reactor built in, I can't say, it's like 30 or 40, 50 years. And they say it's a great source of energy, but no one can afford to build a nuclear reactor. The payback time is too long. You know, it would take you 50 years, no personal investor. If I went to any of our clients and said, I got a great investment for you, it will pay you back 50 years from now. No one's going to put money to that. So for these big infrastructure type developments and roads and anything like that, that's where you need the federal government involved because they have the, they have the timeline. You know, most people in the private side are looking at a five to 20 year timeline. Governments can look at, you know, 50 to 100 years. And that's what you need. It's funny. I think of this back to the education system. And, you know, when you come into the world, you think, okay, they've figured out the education system. But what you forget is that all this stuff is still just developing. Government's just developing. And, and, and as the world changes, governments have to change with it. And so what's the perfect government? I don't think anyone knows. You know, we've decided communism isn't the perfect government, or at least that's what North America has decided and the better part of Europe. But we still don't know what's the best way to make all of this work so we can continue to grow and, and, and you know, uh, provide goods and services to the world at a reasonable price. And, you know, North America is still relatively new. <laughs> when you look at our governments, we're, we're a pretty new government. You're looking at a few hundred years. When you start to look over Europe, they have thousands of years of history behind them. And it doesn't mean they're doing a better job at it either. No. Nope. That brings us to the end of another week. This is Rob and Mike with Think Smart from the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management. listening to the McClellan Financial Group of Asante Capital Management Limited. Asante Capital Management Limited is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. Insurance products and services are provided through Asante Estate and Insurance Services Incorporated. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the previous information, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed are those of the authors and not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management Limited.